0: My name is Allison Lane. In studio today I have two, two wonderful guests. Uh, first of all, welcome Talia and welcome back Mark. Good morning. No last names here at GTFO <laughs> Radio because people have responsibilities outside of uh, full service radio. Um, how are we feeling today? Uh We're good. You're good? You're going to speak into that microphone, and you are going to do it assertively. Okay. We are
1: very good. That is fantastic. (laughs) I
0: like that. There we go. Mark, how are we feeling? Feeling
2: good. Feeling great. Fantastic.
0: Today is August 22nd, 2019, year of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is still a Christian show. That is still funny to me. (laughs) It is still funny to me, and I will stop doing it when it stops being funny. Which is never? (laughs) Which probably Never. Probably never. Uh, So today, again, it's August 22nd. Uh, I'm going to try something different today. And I felt a little, I was a little apprehensive about doing this, but I'm doing this with friends. So I think this is going to be okay. Uh, Today is a pretty important day historically. Um, And I think it really goes along with what's going on in our country and our world as a whole. So um, I'm just going to get into it. Today is the anniversary of Nat Turner's rebellion. Um, for those of you who don't know who Nat Turner is, he was a slave in Southampton, Virginia. Uh, started a rebellion in on August twentieth and like eighteen something. I don't know what year it was. It doesn't matter because it really it's
2: not, that have kind of show. it's not that kind of show.
0: Accuracy is not the thing. You can Google it because I did too. Eighteen thirty one. Eighteen thirty one. That was a time. Not that long ago, really. Not even two hundred years ago, right? Is that two hundred? Again.
2: This what is, not that is that math? Kind of show. We don't know
0: math here. This is not a math show. Okay? This is a talk show.
2: Google (laughs) is free. We don't have to Google dates and timetables for you. Okay. Figure that out.
1: Yeah, you have the same Google we do. Exactly. Thank you so much. This is why I brought you
0: guys here for support. Fantastic. So Nat Turner's Rebellion happened. Or Uh, did it happen? Listen, it ain't that show. I'll tell you that right the fuck now. Just checking. Uh, Because once I finish this mezcal, we might get to fighting. Um... In the spirit of Nat Turner's Rebellion. I'm not fighting just for no reason. It, it is sense, it, it has a purpose. Uh, again, so Nat Turner's Rebellion happened. Uh, Nat Turner was a slave uh, who was also a preacher. Uh, he organized something like 70 slaves to go around killing slave owners in Southampton for like three fucking days. Uh, it finally was quelled by um, the militia and the actual army. <laughs> 70 people. They brought in a whole militia and an army uh, to, to stop this. Uh, Nat Turner was uh, eventually found in hiding two months later in which he was killed. But a lot of interesting things happened in that two-month period. And it, it's crazy because I was reading about it this morning and I was like, this is the same shit that's happening today. Um... And I say this in the same vein as, like, we talk about, like, how uh, y'all's president, whose name will no longer be mentioned on this show,
1: uh.
0: Uh, y'all's president is saying a lot of wild shit, um, and people are comparing him to Hitler. And the thing that pisses me off most about his comparison to Hitler is, like, we ignore that Hitler was so inspired by American racism and how our, our state has always protected Uh, genocide and you know the oppression of marginalized people
2: it's also a lazy comparison because it's just like this guy is an authoritarian and he's bad so is the president that way you know one-to-one it's like you can't it's like no
0: it's not it is a lazy comparison to
2: very annoying oranges
0: (laughs) (laughs) but like we can't ignore that he was inspired by shit that happened in america like this shit is american-made Every motherfucker who's saying, like, this isn't my America. Well, bitch, yes, actually, it was. And it still very much is. Um, Mark, being a black person in America, Talia, who is an avid historical preservationist.
1: <laughs> well, I work in marketing for a historical site um, that is um, colonial era America.
0: <laughs> so you didn't have to tell on yourself. I was going to leave it where it was.
2: So she gets the benefit of that. doubt. Let's see how this goes. Good, good to know.
0: But like I, I I wanted you both here to, there's people who appreciate his, history as it is. And uh, I think you. we all still have a healthy love for our country, but like we all know exactly what this shit is.
2: I think it's that Baldwin quote where you can criticize the country because you love it. It's because you're so invested, because you are, you know, interested in, like, seeing equity and, like, the outcome being a better place, you have to criticize it.
0: You do. Uh, also this week, 1619 Project was released by the New York Times. Um, has anybody read it yet?
1: No, I don't have a New York Times subscription, <laughs> so, those so are I hard cannot to, read it. <laughs> yeah, those it's issues also,
2: are harder to get than, like, the New Yeezys. It's really upsetting.
0: Uh, it's also apparently sold out on the New York Times website until August 26th. Oh, wow. Like, what the fuck? Y'all run out of paper? <laughs> Did the burning Amazon run out of paper?
2: Oh. Does it, is that right. really happening? Come on. I'm just seen the same three pictures keep getting circulated. And I'm just saying, we have so much information, a lot of it's not good.
0: But that's like, I don't know. Access to information is a very strange thing. And pictures. So I don't know. Perhaps it's happening. That picture of San Paolo is like, fuck me up in Brazil. Yeah, but I mean, Photoshop also exists. I don't know. Photoshop? <laughs> I sound like a you, are, you are a conspiracy theorist.
2: <laughs> if it's just easy to follow the conspiracies, <laughs> sign me up.
0: <laughs> Put your tinfoil hat away. Let's, let's just entertain <laughs> the idea that this shit is real. I mean, I guess I'm not going to like take that away from you because I do also have like a healthy skepticism when I see pictures like that circulating. Especially It's and always no the shade, same three and, and no shade to the people That be posting shit like that But it's always the people That on your Instagram You're like I don't trust anything That you say Because you're a crazy person Yeah Like how did you get This information
2: Also I don't appreciate Like you know If I follow like a thirst account And like all your programming Is like <laughs> thirst pics And now you're like The media doesn't care About the Amazon I'm like no no I need to come here for this <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right. Like, <laughs> I came here for clappers. Yeah,
2: I don't go to CNN for backshots, and I don't go to backshots for news, unlike the melting Amazon. Backshots? Yeah. The fuck is that? When you're taking a picture from the back.
0: Okay, <laughs> that is not what I thought it was. Um, <laughs> uh, that is literally not what I thought it was. I thought it was going to be way grosser, and I mean uh, it's that too. Yeah. All right, thanks for listening this week, everybody. <laughs> This episode is called Backshots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, where do we go from here? Because like, it, like this is such like a large topic.
2: So we can start Nat with Nat the history. Ter- like,
0: like the history. Like, okay, yeah. So the thing that's been getting me about Nat Turner's Rebellion, and it's just like stuck in my head, and I have to get it out now because it's driving me fucking nuts. So. um the aftermath of Nat Turner's Rebellion where 70 white slave owners were killed. Approximately. Approximately. 70. That, that's a rough number. Uh, if you go on Wikipedia, they say only 200 black people were killed after this. Only 200. Just, just, a, just a modest 200. But then you keep reading and then there's like a bunch of like weird laws that like happened after this. Because Nat Turner was a preacher Uh, You know, at first these slave owners like really trusted, you know, letting one slave being able to read the Bible, just the Bible. Um, After this, there was a law that was enacted in Virginia that said a white pastor had to be present at every black church after this, which is crazy. Um, Less black people were allowed to read. They were immediately killed. Um, this is also like kind of the birth of like some weird like uh, laws that kind of uh, inspired Jim Crow laws, which is really fucking crazy. Then this is the one that like really fucks me up. So, like, they, they have all these crazy laws happening. <laughs> There's a road in Southampton, Virginia that um, they felt like a lot of black people were um, congregating there and like organizing another rebellion. So all of the black people that they thought were organizing this rebellion, they had them all lined up. They would cross this line on this road and they would behead them. Wow. They were beheading them on this road. And after they beheaded these black people, they put their heads on a stake to let other black people know, hey, you cross this line. You can fucking read. We're going to behead you. Party. Okay. So it's called Blackhead Road. Okay. Do you know that this road still exists in Virginia right now?
2: As Blackhead Road. It is
0: called Blackhead uh, Signpost. Blackhead Signpost Road still exists <laughs> in Virginia. Which I'm like, how? Like, Virginia has some of the most fucked up street names, but like, this is by far the worst that I have heard that still exists. Can you fucking believe that?
2: Yes, because Virginia is for lovers of slavery.
0: <laughs> I'm just, I'm. I'm like, I'm stumped. Blackhead Signpost is the name of this road. There is no historical marker of why it's actually called Blackhead Signpost Road.
2: I'm just glad of the person who's very frustrated with this like signpost erasure and decided they needed to change the name to adapt signpost.
0: Do you know the trauma that's inciting in people? Like just like latent, just, just hatred and shittiness But you want to say that, like, this is a part of history? This is, like, not a hateful thing? Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me?
1: Yeah, but that's, like, teaching history with an asterisk. Like, that road, people may not know the significance of that road Mm -hmm. in that area. So, I mean, now, at the age of, like, the internet, like, people are finding this stuff out a lot quicker. But, I mean, even 10 years ago, it's, I mean, like, the whole jefferson davis thing like exactly. the only thing i knew about jefferson davis growing up is um first confederate president i knew nothing else about him because you weren't taught anything mm-hmm. else about him <laughs> and i feel like that might be the same idea like with this road or even i i have no idea what the curriculum is in southern virginia <laughs> <laughs> if it um, exists. It's, it's pretty shitty yeah so all of this stuff may just be omitted or just, like, in the footnotes buried somewhere. So it, you actually bring out something interesting. You
0: also grew up in Virginia. Yes. Yeah, so I, I grew up in Virginia as well. Yeah. Um, how, if at all, do you remember slavery being introduced to you when you were in school?
1: Um, well, it was introduced very early on. Um, I believe it was third grade. So I grew up in northern Virginia, which is... Vastly different than the rest of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, so the area where I grew up, it was very city-like. Um, especially after 9-11, we had a lot of, I guess, a lot of Outer Towners moving in and military people moving in. So the curriculum like changed with the, I guess, with the parental concerns and all that stuff. So I was fortunate enough to have had a very robust history education growing hey. up um, because of that. when Whenever I talk to people who grew up like in Central or Southern Virginia, I feel like they did not have the same learning opportunities that I did growing up. I would. Um, so, I mean, the one thing that it was kind of iffy was... Uh, there were some contradictions on just the start of the Civil War. Um, that was the iffy part that... There were just a lot of contradictions growing up. Like in fifth grade, you learned, okay, it was because of slavery. And then they kind of tried to backtrack it later on. It was just like, oh, no, it was like a money reason. It wasn't. Were you aware of that as a child or you were more aware of this as an adult? Um, More aware as I got to high school Mm -hmm. um, because that's where we learned kind of world studies and slavery in other countries in comparison to america Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that's where everything started to click and i was like oh crap like what we first learned and what was backtracked in later in elementary school and then it was brought up again as a more i guess holistic view of it um i mean obviously there were still some holes that like because it had to be vetted by the state of virginia and some stuff just got (laughs) kind of got left out yeah (laughs) that's really funny or i think are you after that No Child Left Behind shit? It, it started actually at the tail end of high school for me.
0: Okay, because a- I'm, I'm well before that. And let me tell you about my Virginia education of <laughs> slavery. So it was introduced in, I think, second grade by my racist teacher, Miss Mahoney, who tried to convince my mom that I was retarded. I'm not kidding. This bitch is stupid. I hope she's dead. You know, Miss (laughs) Mahoney's probably (laughs) still alive.
2: And like (laughs) forty-five.
1: She's
0: like
2: teachers are young. (laughs) When we're kids, you're like, oh my god, you're so old, and they're like twenty-one.
0: No, she was actually old as fuck, old and racist. Okay, crazy old bitch. Anyway, so it was introduced in my my secondary class, and she tried to tell us that it was indentured servitude. So they are voluntarily um, working for white people and calling the master party like it's
1: just a thing that's just happening I'm like okay yeah that was one of the things where I found later on it was it was used very interchangeably in textbooks like Mm -hmm. indentured versus an actual enslaved person Um, and I feel like that there's the huge difference between those two words Yeah. (laughs) so the fact that they were just really matter they were loosely um just
2: interchangeable yeah, yeah
1: it isn't interchangeable at all
2: um so as a historian, now that you're kind of in your day job, how do you incorporate the more inflammatory <laughs> parts of our history for, like, what, you know, you do and kind of how people experience that?
1: Um, unfortunately, I'm part of a bigger organization, so um, obviously it, it's, like, rule by committee kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I try to speak up whenever I can. Um, and I mean... Fortunately, we're moving into a direction that I like. I mean, we're talking, we're, we're trying to have a more comprehensive view on slavery instead of like, oh, this is the little tiny thing you're going to learn.
2: Right. Like, here. Right. And kind of to, to circle back, mm-hmm. uh, Allison, to the 1619, I think the more information we have out there and the more that we complicate kind of the narratives and tell a more holistic, bigger truth, the better we are, are the better we're going to be for it, but it's a very, very uphill... It's like you're fighting against a tide of, like, tradition, and just people just get stuck in inertia. So if the story that Virginia, the state, tells people is that, like, well, northern aggression, it's complicated, you know, states' rights versus, no, it's indentured slavery, you know.
0: But that's the story of America, which is what I'm trying to get at. Like, Nat Turner's rebellion is bigger than, you know, the laws that it was enacted in Virginia. It, it set a precedent for... How people view the dissemination of information and uh, education of Black people, the perception of Black people. I read a, an, a, um, a little blurb of like how uh, Nat Turner was described as they were looking for him. He's five six, he has like a crazy eye and like all this other wild shit. They kind of like build him up to like to be this like wild, like superhero who's like super dangerous. Mm-hmm. But like if you think about it, uh, think about how we like perceive like um, how black criminals are like you know portrayed in the media right they always have these like weird like superhuman like tendencies but like then you think about like how people perceive like the fucking guy who just shot up a bunch of people he's a quiet guy misunderstood misunderstood white guy with mental health <laughs> issues. he's a loner he's a loner all yeah. this other shit like yeah. you think about like the, those precedents were set and like you know almost like ignored events like Nat Turner's Rebellion you know how many people don't know about that?
2: I think a lot more people knew because Nate Parker made an amazing film called Breath of a Nation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was like essentially a documentary mm. but there was an agenda against Nate Parker but that's a different show. But I then guess.
0: you think about that that's a, that it, it definitely is. But like, um, but you think about that because in the 1619 project the first person to speak out against like, or very loudly was like Newt Gingrich? Yeah. Uh, he's trying to say that like this goes against like America and we're trying to like put some like race war shit happening and people are literally like this is fucking history yeah this all this shit happens you know
2: I think the the most interesting part about the 1619 thing is, <laughs> is the backlash from people who haven't read it but the interesting part for me is that like time and time again you can show people history you can be deeply researched deeply vetted like just genuine like I'm not trying to incite anything but here is the history and the full context of things and people don't care. And and so it's like it's there's just an overwhelming and overriding like need to placate and maintain white supremacy and kind of just the status quo. So you can present people with information. You could present them with literally. You can go to every person who's like, "The Civil War wasn't about slavery," and it's like every state succeeded <laughs> in <laughs> in writing. Said we are succeeding. We are leaving the union because we want slaves. I
0: want to keep black people <laughs> on my farm. And I want to keep them
2: enslaved. I want to keep them enslaved. Please. It,
0: Thank it's you. It's like
2: documented in their articles of secession, and then like you have people just like, no, it's not what they. It meant. wasn't
0: about that.
2: And so it's kind of, at a certain point, it's just exhausting to kind of just uh, it is exhausting. engage bad faith arguments.
0: I have a question, though. Do you feel like there would be such a backlash in the 1619 Project if it had not been written by a black woman or spearheaded by a black woman?
2: Yes. Just because I...
0: Had Tenakasi Coates written that, the people would be like, cool, I get it.
2: Yeah, because they, they they gave him shit for the case for reparations. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's there's, I, to be, it would have to be... <laughs> that was the have,
0: first thing I thought when I saw Newt Gingrich's tweet. I was like... He's just mad because a black woman wrote this.
2: Yeah, I think it would have to be Bastard. your best avatar for any you know one to accept the sixteen nineteen would have to be like some white man, <laughs> maybe in his forties or fifties.
0: Which is really funny you say that because I was sent an article this morning um, by a friend of mine. I don't know, It's just, it's just like divine. This is like shit is happening just because somebody sent me an article from Smithsonian Mag uh, magazine. Um, some man. Wrote this article. He's it's it's entitled "The Misguided Focus of 1619 as the Beginning of Slavery in the U.S. Damages um, Our Understanding of American History." Long story short, he tries to make the argument that uh, Africans were actors and they were uh, working on their own free will. He has. I, I stopped reading at the part where he said that um, the Africans in Barbados were educators <laughs> of tobacco farming. And like he he mentions it several times. I was like, are you, the first time I was like, okay, let me see what's happening here. The second time I was like, are you fucking serious, sir?
2: So the person that sent you that is not your friend, it's your enemy?
0: No, (laughs) (laughs) no, my friend, first of all, my friend that sent me this clearly didn't read it because the first thing I wrote back was like, are you, did you read any of this?
2: Was that from one of those like hotep sites? Like more information? He's trying to, he's trying to. Oh man. He wants
0: to hotep, but you know, there's like a level of like. Divine ignorance that I don't think this person has reached yet. He's really trying to understand he's really trying to like you know have this conversation and which again bringing this back to 1619 and to Nat Turner's rebellion. A lot of black people's um, plight here is that we haven't had the language to have these conversations for a very long time. Just as Talia said access to this information is, is still new to so many people, not just white people but black people. Like, we don't know our history. It's been kept from us. So, like, how are you able to... I saw you make a face. The the, the microphone can't hear your face. I want to know what that <laughs> face is about. What was that about?
2: I think the access to information kind of like we was, was at the top of the show. Everyone has the same Google. Everyone has the same... We have, like, phenomenal public libraries ideally where you are. And if not, you have the internet. So, the access to the information I don't think is a problem. I think maybe... Trying to the validity and and having to like empirical thought and maybe test the rigors of some of the sources is a problem. And I think too much history and too much of how we communicate now is being condensed and like contorted to fit like Instagram memes or kind of just like four or five slides or maybe trying to to fit in the tweets. And it's like no, for some of this information, it's going to take long. Like it's going to take long reads. It's going to take in depth. Kind of just like matriculation and maybe just kind of just evaluating this information. But I think time wants so to say sorry. something. Yeah. Say yeah
1: something. And the other thing with like, <laughs> um, I guess Google search trends, what it tends to push to the top, it's stuff that's easier to digest, like a top 10 list or something that fits all the SEO requirements. So you may not be getting the most robust information right. on the first or second page of your search, which right is another problem with Google which I do encourage you guys to Google this stuff but don't, okay, so, don't discourage on the second page so we should, I, we should use Bing as well so use Bing I have never used Bing so <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say this I, 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 I see
0: what you're both saying but I'm going to go ahead and disagree on a few for a few reasons um, I feel like this is a, like we've all said this is a lot to digest and it's, it's deeply emotional and it's really hurtful for a lot of people to read these things so yes sometimes like a, a blurb is a little bit easier to read and understand and then when you do have the time and you do have the emotional capacity then you can dive into those things I think that being introduced to those topics through these like these blurbs and these like tweets and this funny shit it's a good intro for some people not everybody's going to get everything we can't expect everybody to be informed we really can't because not everybody that's not everybody's strong suit like not in, like, not in the in depth way that we are, you know? We can't expect people to, like, have that that sort of grasp of knowledge. And I think that's kind of a little bit elitist for us to think that. But, like... I, you laugh, but I'm serious, bitch. Uh, have a sip it's of not, that whiskey, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <not> <laughs> a latest, and
2: hold on. It's not elitist to say that you, that you have to read. It's not like it's
0: not elitist to say that
2: you have to engage. Like it's a choice. And again, I'm not begrudging anyone who chooses not to engage with that history. But it's kind of just like.
0: But it sounds like you called them lazy for for not doing so. No, I'm
2: saying it's available to them, and like I can't saying like you like there's a dearth of access to information. I think we've had the most access ever in our time. Yeah. Of to information, so it's like and people you,
0: are steadily trying. To take that shit away from us.
2: Right, but if you don't want to engage with it, but instead you want to kind of just like rely on memes and kind of just people like diluting it or having someone give you a listicle on that same information.
0: Here's the thing. What I really want to get to. So like, it's hard for me to read a lot of people's shit because I don't feel like I can connect with the writer. And I think the lack of minority people of color, black people writing journalism or these like historical things is really hard for me to read. Like that I read reading this this white man's article about 1619 and how he's trying to say that people in Barbados are just out here just loving to you know they were on a work trip essentially. <laughs> 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 they were on a work trip to talk about tobacco. Yeah. Like with fucking Christopher Columbus who was straight up cutting off people's hands and shit. Like it was hard for me to read. Like I had to stop reading the article cuz I was like this is clearly written by a white person who
2: didn't read 1619.
0: Well, it was written in 2014. Okay. So this is written before. Even better. He's, oh my God, it's great to read. Like, it's it's so annoying. But like, once I was reading, I was like, this doesn't connect with the emotional, like, stresses, like, people of color actually experience. Like, this doesn't, like, really connect with, like, their everyday experiences at all. So I feel like, yes, we do have access to this information, but a lot of these things are written by people who don't, like, identify with the people that they're writing about. It's more like they're just like watching this on TV and they're, they're retelling a story, you know? And what I really hope when I read the 1619 Project, it does resonate with me as a person of color, as a black woman, as a black person who is a descendant of enslaved people. That's what I'm hoping for. And I feel like, yes, these list schools are like pandering in a, in a lot of ways to history, but I don't think that's also connecting with a lot of people. I don't know.
2: Does that make sense? It does. And there's definitely a case to be made for the people who are, you know, historians writing for other historians and not necessarily writing for a general audience. And that's, you know, part of that's. Part of the problem with a lot of academic information. Or it's maybe some of the stuff that's a little more rigorous is behind, like, a paywall or something like that. So there's a case to be made for making information more accessible. But I think there are a lot of contemporary writers. Essentially, if you want to read up on the subject, just look up the people who contributed to 1619, and they've, they've written articles or books and kind of just, like... Have made an accessible path so
0: i'm gonna I, okay i agree with you can we just agree on this the access to information exists but i don't think that everybody's ready for the information yes yep so okay. watch
2: birth of a nation and then
0: <laughs> <laughs> shoot hey i think we need a break we've been talking for like 30 fucking minutes oh dance yeah break. dance break hey jack i'm here <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back <laughs>
1: Bread,
0: uh, things I do. minute, i love to count all the coins in my bank bank account i'm in the stew no time for you unless you friends. To GTFO radio, a very special episode. Nat Turner's Rebellion in 1619. Uh, <laughs> does deserve <laughs> airports. <Force. laughs> so, so, right. Uh, back, uh, welcome back, Talia, and welcome back, Mark. Hi. 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 Uh, off air, Talia mentioned something really interesting. It sparked a little, little bit of a, a little boop out of her. Tell me about it, Bill.
1: Yeah, I had a totally different. Schooling. I had the complete opposite schooling experience than Allison. So my elementary school um, and actually growing up um, in elementary school, we had only one white person in our class, <laughs> in our whole, uh, my sixth grade class. And it was all Hispanic and um, black people. <laughs> and then as I got older, middle school and high school, it kind of just was pretty even and. That's, it got it got evened out. <laughs> That's crazy <laughs> between the races. I think I was the only
0: or one of less than a handful of black people in my classes, and honestly, until the end of college.
2: Wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> until I was what, like twenty two years old, I'm like in a space. Like I'm always in spaces where I'm like the only, or I'm always an out, like a just an anomaly. Like, how did you get to school?
2: Did you not consider an HBCU for college?
0: I did not. Oh, okay. Not even a little bit. <laughs> and i uh, that's something that, like, as an adult, I can see where that would have benefited me. Yeah. Uh, but you have to think that I'm coming from childhood of being in predominantly white spaces. So, like, that's all I know how to navigate. Yeah. Uh, it did not seem natural for me to, like. like, and also HBCUs were never explained to me until after, like,
2: Graduated. I graduated. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck
0: is this? I had two cousins that went to our, I'm sorry, three cousins that went to uh, Hampton mm-hmm. and two of them were lawyers. Wow. <laughs> two of them were lawyers. Um, I, well, no, I take that back. I have four cousins because then I have another cousin who is a lawyer on my dad's side uh, who was a professor at Harvard. Wow. But went to an HBCU. And I was like, why didn't you introduce these people to me? In my like formative years, like I didn't know—I honestly didn't know any of this until like I uh, graduated college from a very white school.
2: That's interesting.
0: So like it—it didn't make sense for me to go there because I didn't see any examples of it like being like successful or beneficial.
2: You also didn't, literally didn't know about it, so.
0: I didn't know. I literally had no idea.
2: And I guess your guidance counselors <laughs> weren't like, Allison, you're the only black girl in high school. Maybe you should look at these colleges. Nope.
0: The only person they actually encouraged was this other kid who was a complete fuck up. I was like, so you're going to tell him to go to an HBCU. And he's a total disaster of a human being. <laughs> and, <laughs> but you're going to tell me that like it's cool to go to this school. And I'm like, all right. Interesting. It's weird that those things were encouraged like in, in those ways. But yeah.
2: My, um... Uh, eleme- like elementary and middle school was similar to T's, where I was all, uh, essentially all black in elementary and then um, a little bit more integrated in middle school and then more integrated in high school. And then I went to uh, a predominantly white college in Central Florida, which is trash.
0: <laughs> we actually didn't even discuss how was slavery introduced to you?
2: Um, it was kind of just talked about, unfortunate, and then the Emancipation Proclamation happened, and then everything was fine.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> then people had dreams. <laughs>
0: Do you want to know something funny? Hmm. Um, this is probably gonna be the only funny thing that happens naturally on this show. Um, when I was, I I went to a. It's technically a city, Manassas. No, it's not. Um, according to the state of Virginia, the city of Manassas is a city. So uh, I went.
2: Virginia is a commonwealth, and Manassas <laughs> is not a city. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's like one street and like a let the fire joke hall. be the joke. People, <laughs> we've discussed this at the top of the show. Everybody's got Google. Manassas.
2: <laughs> You're right. This, this is funny because Manassas is not a city. Manassas but, but is a off. city
0: according to the state of Virginia. Also, Blackhead Road is a place in Virginia. Anyway, so um, I went to school. So there were, I guess, more. There's more diversity in the school. Then I moved to a. Rural elementary school, also still basically on the cusp of Northern Virginia. So it's a bunch of rich white people who are racist, but like, I don't know if y'all know about rich white white racism. It's different. It's not as outward.
2: Yeah, it's the racism of lowered expectations.
0: Yeah, it's like, oh my God. You're here. They don't, they don't do the whole thing, you speak well, but they like know all about your life and shit. It's different. Anyway, so uh, one of the first things that somebody asked me when I went to this rural, rich white school is if Dr. Martin Luther King was my dad. Oh. Okay. Was he?
2: <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know.
0: <laughs> Dude, that's stupid ass kid. <laughs> Dr. Martin Luther King is not my father. Um,
2: <laughs> why did you wait 30 years to answer this question?
0: I've been making the same just confused face for the past 20 years of my life. Just like, huh? Are you serious? You really thought that? They really thought that there was only one other black person on earth that could have fathered all these other black children.
2: <laughs> so, MLK okay was Abraham. Gotcha. I think the thing that most upsets me about his holiday every year is that everyone acts like he died in his sleep. <laughs> just like, comfortable <laughs> Old grandpa. And I was like, he was murdered. Absolutely <laughs> murdered. Please stop telling me about how lonely love can drive out. Because <laughs> he was murdered. Oh my just God. Wanna, I just want to shout it from the rooftops every fucking February. I
0: hate that argument so much. Yeah. Um, I recently had to end a relationship with a friend because he was like, I was trying to explain to him that he was trying to say that like i was like i was talking with my hands we're all people of color when you get incensed do you talk with your hands always as you I mean, do right now I hear, in the your studio you're <laughs> slapping i got you know all the hands are flying all this other shit yeah um you're passionate i'm passionate all that shit he was like oh you think you are cardi b now and i was like what i was like do you know how racist that is that you're saying that and then his argument was like listen racism exists but like can't we just be equals and love each other i was like that's the stupidest shit i've ever heard in my fucking life how dare you bring <laughs> that shit to the table was he how an, dare you was
2: he an ethnic white man or just like, like
0: oh he was like the whitest honestly okay. i don't even think that like i think that there is a level of whiteness that only exists when you can say like stupid shit like can't we just be equal can't we just love each other uh, and be equal bitch what well
2: whiteness and karama
0: girl what Oh yeah, let's talk about karma. Let's uh, we need a break from this. Honestly, everybody stop pick up your glass of alcohol, have you not finished it and put it in your mouth. Drink your whiskey, tequila and mezcal. It's already
1: done.
2: Yeah, <laughs> mine's already gone too.
0: Mine You're was the not. Only one. <laughs> I knew I was going to need it, so I saved a little bit of it. It's delightful. Here at GTFO radio we talk about um, history, politics and drink alcohol.
2: Also history.
0: History. Yeah. yeah. Chaos.
1: Her story? Yeah. Horror
2: story. History from women.
0: Oh. I got
2: it. <laughs> I was
1: like, what the fuck are you talking about? Have you ever been to a women's museum? <laughs> yeah, they're
2: pretty amazing. Women do a lot.
1: Do they? Yeah. Shut up. There's women?
2: Hosting radio shows. <laughs> 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 oh, I meant to say this. I mean, you know, just to bring it back to Nat Turner. So, you know, we were three-fifths human back then. So 200 times three-fifths is 120. So 120 dead black people compared to 70 white people. It seems oh, proportionate. that's
0: right. Yeah.
2: Just you aren't what's...
0: supposed to math here, honestly. Listen, I just wanted to step the game up. And that's why they don't let you Negroes learn shit. Yikes. <laughs> you better get back in the field and teach those white people about tobacco.
2: It's a good core workout. I'm just saying. <laughs> if you pick cotton, it's all
1: engagement. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. you, were you expecting this today? Uh, a little bit. Um, also, if you guys don't know, I am not black. I am Hispanic.
0: <laughs>
1: yes. We were wondering. I, honestly, inquiring minds. <laughs> yeah. I just thought you
2: were Afro-Latina.
1: Bitch, so uh, you might be. I'm, like, uh, ambiguous. It's. I think the funniest thing is, like, when people are just trying to figure out what race am I. Because they will just try to put me in the box of what they're familiar with. Like, What is the craziest
0: assumption that you've experienced?
1: I think the, well, not craziest, but I think the funniest one was, it was probably like seven or eight years ago. Um, <laughs> this lady, I guess she was trying not to offend me, but the way she was talking to me and her facial reactions, because... She started talking about a certain group of people, and then I was kind of giving her faces as to like, um, okay, <laughs> you realize I'm not white? And then she was just like, but you're Italian? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, um, no. <laughs> I guess she couldn't figure out what my race was and she didn't know like based on my facial reactions like she was trying to figure out like if it was okay for her to say the things she was saying to me and for me to agree with her kind of thing so I think that was the funniest interaction that's
0: really I've funny had. to me because uh, I, I know you in real life and I know you to be a, a pretty kind and I guess this is also in comparison to myself and how I see myself <laughs> you, you tend to be like really patient with a lot of shit and I wonder, like, in a lot of spaces, and especially in this administration, people's perceptions are changing and people, how people interact with each other are changing. And as a person who could arguably be white passing,
1: how are you navigating these spaces right now? It's, it's very... Um, it's odd, because I, I do feel like I get a lot of that, like... I feel like people it, just hope you, for you to be something that you aren't. Yeah, I think they're like, oh, you're. Because of the way I sound mostly, I think people think they can talk down to a certain group of people around me and I'll be like agreeing or like be okay with it. Um, but then other times I feel like I'm kind of the. I, I feel like whenever there's like. A Muslim, anything. Suddenly, people perceive me as like <laughs> Middle Eastern. So I feel like I sometimes get like those like targeted, <laughs> like snipey remarks <laughs> about my people. Which <laughs> you should just be
2: yeah. used to be a spy. You're just ethically ambiguous. Honestly, <laughs> I
1: know <laughs> it sounds like a good idea.
2: It's, yeah. it's really interesting too. And I just kind of like it's funny you say that, just because there's nothing that people who are racist love more than like a co-conspirator because I'm from South Florida so it's just like there's this big thing where my, my, I'm from like my family I'm Haitian all my family's from Haiti and so it's kind of just like there's lo- I've had so many white people be like I love the Haitians it's really sad when they get here and they're so sweet they're so nice best hardworking people that you know and then the American blacks get to them and what? then kind of just like they ruin them yeah and that's like a thing so it's kind of just like God. I, so it's Is like, like
0: going to be like a monthly series now because there's <laughs> so much for me to unpack
1: emotionally <laughs>
2: I mean, you started it.
1: I did. Well, shit. I mean, I I, I get that from um, when I was actually working at a restaurant. Like, there were a lot of people, like, from Africa or, like, the Caribbean that were working there, too. So, like, they kind of had, like, similar... They either got similar stuff from, like, customers or, like... I guess they weren't black enough to hang out with the black people at work. Yeah. kind of thing. And it was like, are yeah. you guys dumb? We work in the same place. We all have yeah. the same S- complaints. Speaking we should all be friends. I speaking mean, not really, actually, no.
0: Restaurant. business is not like yeah. <laughs>
1: damn. Well, speaking of working in the same
0: place and working in the same towards the same goals, it's kind of the end of the show. Aww. Guys, I know. And we're just getting into right, it. Right, right, we're just getting warmed because up. There's so much to unpack. Um <laughs> In the spirit of Nat Turner's Rebellion, which honestly is about the liberation of people and, you know, the opportunity to live your best life or fucking die. Um, Jesus. What are you doing <laughs> to better your your community and the people around you? Like, what, are, what is... It's named, like, an active goal. It may be lofty. You know, it may not be real. But, like, what are you actually hoping for uh, in you know, the fight to change this country and uh, the liberation of you.
2: Indoctrinate all my friends' white babies. Cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Which
1: we're going to do shortly after this. We're going to indoctrinate a white baby. And for you? Um, Me, um, I took the decision to go back to school. I feel like I'm at a, I guess, I can only move laterally um, career-wise right now. And I feel like, if I can get into a leadership role um, wherever I go, I'm hoping I can have the influence there um, to make like changes like that. Like I like that. Not have a have a more diverse staff and I like that. That's yeah. that's really admirable. What are you doing? Well, GTFO radio.
0: <laughs> and I, I mean that very sincerely. I when when Paige and I started this show five years ago, it started out as like being two women of color know just like being ourselves and gtfo radio is kind of evolving into a situation where i want people to honestly represent uh whoever they are and be respected in those spaces um there are many places where like if we were having this conversation i wouldn't have the microphone and people would not listen to me but now i'm fucking here and you're gonna fucking listen to me and we're gonna deal with it and we're gonna learn and we're gonna grow and we're, we're going to change uh, people's perception of what things should be instead of what they are. So I I think that GTFO was always meant to me like a space, <clears throat> excuse me, it's always been a space that is is uh, allowing people to break down stereotypes, uh, especially, you know, black women, because that's what I am. And I want to continue to do so. Um, I started something where I wanted to, both of you are people to suggest somebody else to have, be on the show and like have a conversation and given this conversation that we've had today, which I think has been really impactful and important. Would you like to suggest somebody else to come into the show and have a conversation?
2: Stoop girl.
1: I love her. Talk about uh,
2: snacks and food and radicalism and writing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, she would be great. Um, unfortunately you can't, Hear her Instagram pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Not
0: yet. She, Not yet. Actually, that would she be so a really good conversation.
1: Good. Like, because I, I think another
0: topic that I'm really passionate about is food and and the lack of representation of people of color.
1: Yeah. Um. Probably, if we have this conversation again about like race, um, someone I know named Brenda. She. She is all things African American history. She is like. One of the people I admire most <laughs> in this world. When you have um, conversations with this person. Uh, yeah, she she's super engaging and she's all about like finding out more about African American history and like especially like the role of African American women in history, kind of thing.
0: Well, shit, I'd love to meet her. Get um, her.
1: She is a fantastic and you wouldn't believe that she has kids that are older than us because she looks like she could be my age. <laughs> Hell
0: fucking
2: yeah. Shout out to Brenda again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Guys, thank you so much uh, for coming into GTFO today. Thank you, Talia. Thank you, Mark. Uh, thank you for the listener for getting through this episode of GTFO Radio. Please come back next Thursday at 11 a.m. Uh, find me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify GTFO Radio. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.